What's up, my miners of intelligence and consciousness? I'm Rick Brooks, and this is Rick's Mind. Today, I have with me uh, an outdoor enthusiast, Mr. DJ Jones. Without further ado, man, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. So, I mean, one of the things, uh, it's kind of funny how we met. Um, I, I actually follow you on Instagram, and I noticed that there's this brother out here just smoking deer with a bow and arrow. That's not something I see every day. How did you get into that? And, and I mean, if you can kind of walk us through your origin stories into getting into hunting. Oh, man. Oh. Well, for me, I grew up in the South. I was born in Jacksonville, Florida. I was raised in Hilliard and Callahan, Florida. And for me, you know, hunt's always been a tradition. Uh, my great-grandmother had seven kids. She had five boys, two girls. And every single last one of them can hunt, fish, cook, clean, and farm. Yep. So for me, it's just, it's just like, it's just something that was just ingrained in me from being a small child. Like I remember having my first, you know, bow and arrow from Walmart. It was one of those big block targets that's like, looks prehistoric now if you walk into walmart and see one one of the yeah. big white ones with like the red the blue and the yellow with the center dot so i got one of those when i was like maybe four maybe five and it's just something i've I've always done my father was a really big bow hunter and i think that's probably why i kind of lean more to bow hunting than any other type of aspect of hunting yeah have you tried uh you try chasing them with rifle and and also like what are you just normally hunting uh white tail or you ever venture into hunting elk or anything like that well funny funny to ask that because i got something in the works uh fall 2021 i'm trying to, to plan a trip out west to to oregon to get an over-the-counter tag for archery elk so i've never went out that far but typically the species that i've been hunting these main you know, past few years has been whitetails in the Midwest. I haven't been down South since like hunting wise, since I was back in college, like my junior year back in like 2014 ish, maybe. Mm -hmm. But mostly the species I hunt, you know, is whitetail. I've hunted a small game before, uh, down South. I've shot squirrel, I've shot, you know, cottontail rabbits or some people call them swamp rabbits, depending on where you're at. Yeah. I've actually, uh, been able to trap raccoon, trap possum, quail. Uh, there's, I mean, if it flies, I've shot it before. If it swims, <laughs> I've, I've caught it before. It's just it's just one of those things where it's like, man, there isn't too much I haven't done. I don't say that to brag or to to be one of those guys, you know, that you see out here in the industry who's trying to, you know, to flex and show his ego. But it's like, I've been doing it for, it feels like a long time, but I'm only 26. But it's like, man, like, I've been doing this all my life. So for me, like, it's, it's literally, it's nothing new. And, uh. I think what I love most about it is, is that, you know, it doesn't matter how long you're doing it. You still get that same feeling as if like it's your first day out, you know, hunting. It's your first day out fishing. You still get that excitement when you're truly passionate and you truly love the stuff, you know, like I do. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely get that. So in my experience with with hunting, I just figured it's a drug. It's an adrenaline drug because that that adrenaline that I get when I see something that's legal I just get a massive, I'm a pretty excitable person. And I'm just like, my heart's racing. I'm shaking. I'm like, what is going on? And you, you really tap into something yeah. that's very primal. And then if you're successful, then you've got food for uh, an extended yep. period of time, which I love. That's really what brought me into it. I grew up like much like you, uh, chasing deer and whatnot. But uh, Elk's kind of a new venture of mine. I, I met a, a, a friend at the gym and 
kind of roped me into that and he's trying to get me to go down the archery train and I bought a bow. So we'll see, man, there's, there's a good chance next year. I might be getting into that realm. Although the success odds are not really in my favor. And that's something you gotta, I feel like you gotta be all in or all out. Like how often are you practicing archery? Oh man. Um, I'm not going to be one of those guys that like that tries to tell you that like, you know, I shoot my bow seven days a week, realistically, you know, like I don't and, you know, having a family and uh, having kids and working and spending time, you know, with my girlfriend and actually spending time actually out hunting. It's like, I get my target practice in when I can. Most of that I rely on experience because I've been doing this, you know, with a bow since as long as I can remember. So it's like, for me, it's just like riding a bike when you get out. And I always, before I hunt, I try to shoot at least maybe four or five rounds to make sure that my sight is still on. I'm still shooting correctly. I'm still anchoring correctly. But uh, at the end of the day, it's like, I don't shoot my bow as much as I want to come spring, summer, earlier part of the season, middle part of the season. I shoot that thing like, you know, I'm trying to shoot the cams off my Hoyt RX3. Like I, oh, yeah. I shoot it as much as I can because it's like, you know, you just get into that pattern of doing it. And uh, this summer, I probably shot probably the least I ever have because uh, in July, I told my pickup truck, my baby, my custom 2009 GMC four-door pickup truck, my baby I called Black Jim, <laughs> blacked out, black tail lights, grills, grills freaking sweet. Yeah. Touchscreen dash, like my baby baby. Like besides my two kids, my son and my daughter, like my baby baby. Yeah. I ended up uh tolling my truck in July and I wasn't able to to get another truck until September due to insurance and stuff like that. And then trying to get it up from Florida all the way up here to Minnesota where I stay at. So that hindered a lot of my shooting because you know, being the times were what they were, you know, um, I wasn't going to try to walk around town with a boat on my back to get to my lease. Cause I have a big lease here up in uh, Northern Minnesota where I can actually get out and shoot my boat. And that's typically in my pickup truck is less than a 10 minute drive on foot. It's like five, six miles, like trying to make it there. And I'm not going to, you know, being with where the way the world is and was at that, that time period, you know, it's a small town. There's not a lot of people of color in the town that I live in. So I'm not going to be the guy who's walking around town with a bow on my back and nobody knows who I am. And <laughs> the times were what they were and they are what they are, you know, being a person of color in a majority, you know, white community, that is one thing I don't kind of, I don't ever think I'll be fully comfortable doing because like, you know, there's always those people or people who, you know, see a person of color with a weapon and they immediately identify that with danger. So instead of me trying to attempt to do that and get myself in harm's way, I just decided not to shoot my bow and to shoot my bow whenever I could and whenever I got my vehicle. So from about July to maybe September 5th or 6th, I wasn't even able to shoot my bow. So I find that funny and I kind of want to definitely touch on this as well. Like, I do find it funny you said that because there's a lot of weird rules, right? Like if you're a black man living in a predominantly white society, like that you you kind of start following without knowing because, you know, you're, you're a pretty intelligent person. I am as well. And it's kind of like, I probably wouldn't do that either. Just, just you never know. You, you're not entirely sure that, I mean, 
you can get fucked. Like, I mean, George Floyd happened in Minnesota, which I mean, what I don't, yeah. I don't really, we don't really need to talk about that or get your thoughts. It was awful, but like, was it, yeah. did, did she get kind of squirrely up where you were or did you end up being all right? Well, in my area, you know, it was, it was pretty fine, but uh, typically the higher population areas the more urban areas, like places like Duluth, which is the next major city, 35, 45 minutes north of where I stay at. Cause I actually, I work in Duluth at Essentia Health and uh, work at the main hospital up there. And we, we had to go on lockdown a couple of times due to the rioting and the protesting and stuff like that. So other than me being at work, being in that environment, there was nothing crazy at all, you know, that was happening. I mean, I see more of it on social media than actually, you know, in person. And yeah. the aspects of it that I've seen in person, it wasn't really dangerous. I mean, for me, it's like, you know, I grew up near Jacksonville, Florida. It's like, it's like one of the most dangerous places you can ever live at, you know, and the entire United States, yet alone, you know, growing up there near that place for 18 years, it wasn't really too much that was going to like scare me because I know I can hold my own. You know, I mean, I'm confident in my fighting abilities and my ability to defend myself and others. So it's like, I'm not, it wasn't something I was too worried about. Yeah. So how did you, yeah. Uh, speaking on that, how did you find your way up to Florida or from Florida to Minnesota? Cause that's a, that's a pretty stark contrast and fucking temperature, you know, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Oh God. Uh, basically for me, you know, uh, I had seen, and this is basically just from, from growing up, I had seen a lot of my family members, you know, who were talented athletes in both football, basketball, and baseball. I've, I've seen them, you know, get that small town buzz or funk is, is what I like to call it. And they don't want to venture off and go off to other places and do great things. And I often see them, you know, getting complacent and giving up on that sport that they wanted to, you know, be great at giving up on college and basically just like packing it in and calling it a life. So I like, when I saw that from a few of my family members, I was like, well, you know, I don't care where I get an opportunity to go off to college. Like when I get that opportunity, my number one goal is to use whatever sport that I'm playing to achieve my degrees in my case, cause you know, I was able to get two, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I was able to do that and stay healthy and play football while I was here. So I was able to go up to community college and get my associate's degree in law enforcement and my AA and then transfer to the university of Minnesota Duluth and make the football team there back in 2014 through 15. And then when I was at the university of Minnesota Duluth, my major was criminology and my minor was environmental science. So for me, I was able to use football to, get me an education and to basically get away from my hometown and get up to Minnesota and, you know, create a legacy with myself, my hunting and my fishing and, and stuff like that. So that's how I ended up getting here. And I'm still here. My kids are here. My family's here. And I, I think I still have a great future here in Minnesota. Cause if I move anywhere, I'm moving to Iowa. Like it is, that was, that was honestly something that I had planned and set up about 80% before I ended up totaling my truck. And then it's just like, I had to scrap all my plans of moving to Iowa because I, I wasn't going to be able to do some of the things that I wanted to do down there due to me not having a vehicle, having transportation. Yeah. So you, you got that all squared away though, right, my man? Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. That's what, that, that's what I like to hear. So, so why, why Oregon? And what, what species are you planning on going after? Are you going to do the Eastern half, which is Rocky mountain or, or on the Western half, which is Roosevelt? Well, for me, I want to say that uh, I'll be going out hunting with a guy that they call um, Wayne Indicate from the Borax. So that's something that we've been trying to do. We've been trying to get that, you know, locked down with each other since 2019, whenever we met and started messaging each other. 
So uh, I think it's, I think I'll have enough financial stability to make that trip this year, being that I'm going to go ahead and just try to put the financial aspects of it, you know, together now this spring and take care of it and get it out of the way. So we're going to try probably to go to the Eastern half, I want to say. Yep. So you're going to do, yeah. do Chase Rockies. You'll go and you're going to go, I would assume, what, September then? Like, yeah, right as the season opens. Do you know how to, and he'll, yeah. does he know how to call? Yeah, I mean, um, Wayne Indicate is probably somebody, like, when it comes to hunting, he's a guy who owns probably the greatest bow shop, you know, in North America, especially in the West Coast. I mean, he has some some great hunters and probably one of the biggest hunting icons we've ever seen, like Cameron Haynes. Like, you know, that's where he goes to get his bow tuned and his bow fixed yeah. and stuff like that. And Wayne and his family have been running that place since the early 90s, you know. They've had guys like Ted Nugent and stuff like that. So, literally... The goats, you know, for a literal term of sense, for for people who don't, who want to know the type of, of epicness, if that's a word. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I got Wayne indicating what he's doing with the bow rack, like that guy who's shown consistency. His son Nathan is as a stellar hunter too. His wife hunts, like his whole entire family hunts. So we've been talking about that for about a year, almost two years now. We're finally going to try to make that happen in twenty twenty one. So. I'm going to get together with uh with Wayne and we're going to try to figure out what dates are going to work best for me and what dates are going to work best for him. And we're going to try to get out there and get it done. So I'll, I'll even have to probably try to hire somebody to come out with a camera crew to try to film and document this. Cause it's going to be something where it's going to be the trip of a lifetime. And it's not every day that you got someone like Wayne indicate who's as clutch as he is and is as consistent as he is and has, you know, decades over in the mountains over in yeah. Oregon and in places in New Mexico who literally is telling me, DJ, if you want to hunt Oregon, get with me this spring, get with me this summer, get a tag. Because at first we we're going to try to do the whole, you know, application thing in a few different other states. But he's like, well, Oregon is over the counter. So yeah, you buy an Oregon tag, get the dates, we'll set it up and we're going to make it happen. And, you know, last year I didn't have the financial resources for it. And then the year before I definitely didn't. But I feel like this year I'll be able to put more stuff to the side and uh, be able to take advantage of that and hopefully uh, get out there with Wayne and we can probably, you know, get us some bulls down or at least somebody gets a bull. I mean, I'd be happy with just having that experience. Oh yeah. Well, there's, there's nothing like it. There's, and this is someone that is, is, is a little bit newer to the sport of of elk hunting. Uh, I go, I think I've gone for the past three years every year. And then we kind of got real serious about it and bought a wall tent and we'll just kind of drive into a pretty remote location, put up the tent and then we'll go 10, 15 miles, not not 15, but around 10 to seven miles in and back every yeah. day, round trip. And I've seen wolves. I've seen countless black bear. I've not seen a cougar yet, but I've seen just so much wildlife, man. It's it's absolutely yeah. incredible. And you're going to love it. You I know. know. And for me, it's like, you know, they get a boy from me, a boy like me from Florida who, who have only seen these things, you know, on TV and then Mm-hmm. Give me the opportunity to go out and rough it, you know, THP style tents, packing in, going in like you guys are a couple miles in. Like I might not never want to go home. I get me some moonshine, something like that. Somebody bring a guitar and a banjo. <laughs> we ain't never going home. I'm talking. We we, we out there having a good time. Forget oh, it all, yeah, brother. Yeah, but, no, you're you're gonna you're in for. I will say this though. Other than that, the state's mostly desert, and you'd hate it here. Just, just throwing that out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, 
You'll have to hit me up if you have any if you have any spare days or anything. Let me know, man. I, I'll I'll put you in touch with something, dude. I'd I'd love to grab a beer with you, and meet you in person. Hopefully yeah. This, hopefully this bullshit that we're dealing with will be over with by that time. I hope. Yeah. You know, it's not ideal by any means, but I, mean, I just love, so how I've I I don't know how I found you on Instagram. I was probably just searching hunting stuff, but I was like, oh, another a fellow, and I don't post any of my hunting trips or anything on social media yeah. just cause I, I can't deal with the pushback. Um, I'll get too mad. I think that would anger me. Cause I'm like, you don't really understand what's all going on here. Do you experience yeah. any of that pushback and hatred like at all, just because you're, 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 you're harvesting animals. Well, it's like, for me, it's like, you know, I kind of, I'm in a position now where it's like, I'm becoming more of a public figure and I received the love and I also received the hate. And it's like, and it doesn't matter, you know, how many followers I have or how many deer or elk or whatever it is I may harvest. You know, you're always going to have people who are going to be happy to see your success. And you're always going to people going to see people who are angry at your success. They're angry that you're doing what you're doing and they're not, or, you know, why is this guy getting, you know, thousand likes on a picture and he's not shooting anything and he's just smiling there looking silly it's like i've like i've heard it all and for some stuff like when i feel like i need to let it out and show people like what people are direct messaging me and stuff like that or commenting like i'll share it i'll post it on my store because it's like you know i feel like god has given me the opportunity to to have the presence that i have i have to speak about things that are happening to show people that it's not always you know peaches and cream so to say like it's not always sunshine and rainbows like you get people you know that are going to hate that are going to throw hate but for me it's like i don't really do that for them i do that to share my experiences so people like you who just happen to scroll across my page they might see me doing something they get excited it's like oh my god it's like look at this guy hunting it's a fun time like he's he's documenting himself hunting and fishing it's making me want to do it or I'll get a message saying, hey, you know what? I saw you went fishing in a kayak. You know, I couldn't afford, you know, a John boat or something like that. But I went and bought this $150 kayak from, from Walmart and look at me catching fish. That That's why I do it. I do it for the guys who don't actually have these ideas or I got to shoot a certain deer that's between this amount of inches or, or that amount of inches. Hey, me and my dad went out. We saw one of your videos and we went out on public land and we didn't see a lot of deer, but we did see two or three deer. And it was one of the best hunting trips of all time. Like, that's why I do it because it's like, you know, my main goal is to spread the positivity and get as many people as I can hunting and fishing. Like, I don't care, you know, about people who get into this for the money. They get into this for the sponsorship. They get into this so they can have their ego stroke. Like, I don't, I don't care about that. Like, all I want to do is promote hunting, promote fishing and have fun while I'm doing it and show everything that I can. And be 100% transparent about everything that I can. There's not a sponsor on this planet who, who can try to throw money at me and tell me that I have to, you know, take my Instagram following, take my YouTube following and talk about this product, you know, for whatever thousands of dollars or whatever they might be throwing at me. Because, like, that's not why I do it. It's not, not how I was raised to hunt. And even if they were to try to do something like that, that's not something I'm interested in. And... You probably can see this and notice this too, is that you see certain people in our industry for hunting and bow fishing who they're only doing this, you know, for their egos and to get paychecks. 
and to act like, you know, they love hunting and fishing as much as they do. Because at the end of the day, it's like, you know, they have to keep sponsors happy. They have to keep their partners happy. So if they're not catching a certain amount of fish in tournaments, then you know what? They're going to get dropped. If they're not shooting a certain size buck every year, they're not shooting a certain size elk or turkey or whatever it might be or whatever species it is, they might get dropped. So those guys, they have all the pressure because they're under contracts and stuff like that and they have to perform. And then you get a guy like me. I haven't shot a deer in almost two years and I can still go out, have fun, maintain the level of respect and fun and professionalism with my partners because they know at the end of the day, like I'm going out there, I'm having fun, I'm grinding, I'm hunting and I'm promoting, you know, their product. Well, I'm promoting their product professionally. And at the same time, they're benefiting from it. I'm benefiting from it. It's a happy relationship. Yeah. And that's what I love about it. I love just doing what I can do, having fun, promoting all the good things, all the legal things, all the ethical, like the ethical things and having fun. That's it. That's honest. And that's why I do what I do. So just like situations where you saw me, you don't know how, you don't know where. And it was just, you know, you getting pictures from me or a video, whatever it might've been, or a shout out on somebody else's page and you follow me. And then now, you like watching what I'm doing. You like seeing what I'm doing. So now I feel like it's my job to continue promoting the good stuff, even when I can't, you know, situations like where I was only supposed to show up, you know, to work today, but I work today and tomorrow. Now I can't hunt when I told everybody in my post today, lie. I can't wait to get out and go hunting tomorrow. They see that relatable stuff where it's like, I can't always get out and go do what I want to do because I do have kids. I do, you know, I have a job. I have other things that I have to do. So it's like people see me and I'm not like some guy who's, was unrelatable. I feel like I'm a relatable guy. Like, just like you said, mm-hmm. you want to sit down and have a beer. Like I would do that with any one of my followers. People tell you, you know, you comment something to me. I'm going to comment back. You send me a message. I'm going to see it. I'm not at that point where it's like, I get bombarded with messages where I can't reach out to people or you get that type of engagement with me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that definitely, definitely that's, uh, that's, I mean, that, that's, that really sums it up, man. That's, that's, that's amazing. Um, I had this question that, and you know what the shitty thing is? I think it may have, I think I may have lost it, but fear not, there'll be another one that pops in. Um, so you, I did notice speaking on like your, your hunting posts, um, you, you've been getting close this year. You've been close a few times. That's, you've got, you've got, you've got your eyes on some, some good deer. And uh, what do you, like, how much longer do you have left in your season? Well, I know in Wisconsin, if I want to continue to hunt the sub-metro unit I'm hunting, I have until like either mid-January or late January or something like that. But by then, like the buck I'm probably chasing will shed his antlers. So I'll probably chase him until he sheds or either I can see him in a picture to noticeably see that he sheds or hopefully I can get him. But um, Minnesota, I've been done. I haven't hunted Minnesota since I want to say maybe early december why is that it's just uh the, well it's just the areas that i hunt in minnesota receive a lot of uh rifle hunting pressure mm-hmm. and the three hitless bucks that i want i only really get to see them when they're transitioning in from the neighbor's property onto our property onto the neighbor's property again so we're like the piece that's in between it's this big block of hardwoods in between a 200 acre hayfield 
you got 14 acres of hardwoods, another 60 acres of hardwoods, and then you got my 33 acres on my lease, another 10 acres I got permission. And then the other neighbors got another 60, you know, to the left of that. And then the neighbors directly in front of us, they got like a hundred acre, you know, hay field with a few strips of trees here and there. Mm-hmm. So I really only get to see my hitless bucks when they're transitioning between any of those properties. So okay. typically when the Orange Army comes out, <laughs> my hit listers, I mean, that's what it is. I've never heard it called that. That's great. Oh, my that's God. Great. That's great. The, the Orange Army. They, and they called the Orange Army for a reason. And, you know, being a Southerner, I've yeah. never seen this in my entire life. And I hope I don't, I don't offend anybody when I say this, but it's like, you know, typically when it comes to hunting, you know, people hit hunting hard here, you know, either all year round, if they can, because most places down South has wild hogs. So people literally hunt all year round that they own ranches and stuff like that in places in mm-hmm. Texas and whatnot. But I didn't know how big rifle hunting was here in Minnesota until I got up here my first semester of college. Mm-hmm. When something I had never had happen ever in my entire life before, I went into Walmart the night before rifle season to try to buy my rifle license or whatever. The entire system for the DNR for Minnesota had had crashed because there was so many purchases for rifle licenses the night before the season. And I was like, you have got, you know, to be kidding me. It's like, how many, like, how, like, hundreds of thousands of sales you know have been like purchased the night before the hunt like the night before hunting season to the point where (laughs) the system and server crashes wow and i never understood that until that first time because when i first started hunting in minnesota back when i was in college from like 2012 to 15 Mm -hmm. i was able to hunt public land and see how much pressure public land gets and how many people come out. Like it's crazy when archery season opens up, it's like there's barely anybody in the woods in certain areas and you might get bird hunters here and there. Rifle season happens. Oh man. You see guys you've never even seen before coming through. You got everybody and their mama out in blaze orange, orange hat. You got three, four people, you know, hunting and shooting houses together or hunting blinds together. And it's just like, it's, it's crazy. It's literally a family affair for, for most people, but it's like, that's when I really started getting nervous rifle hunting because I'm with all these people in my entire life growing up hunting, you know, Callahan, Florida, Callahan, Florida, Hillier, Florida, and stuff like that. I only hunted private property and in hunting clubs. So, People that I was hunting with, I knew their hunting capabilities, their gun safety. So I felt mm-hmm. comfortable doing that. Yeah. And I get up to Minnesota and I can literally watch a truck pull up, another truck pull up. And I'm looking through my binoculars and I can see about 12, 13 people getting out in the woods. They're all grabbing rifles and they're all walking, like spreading out through the woods, like doing deer drives. Oh, okay. And people are shooting in in each direction and you're like i don't even know where they're shooting at i don't i don't even know if they're good shots if they're bad shots what caliber rifle or shotgun they may be using and it's like after that started happening i started getting less and less comfortable like you know hunting during rifle season up here and more more into both then i got out of college yeah, I mean, if, if I had to choose, you know, rifle or bow, I'm going to always choose my bow because it's just, for me, I feel like it, it's, 
no disrespect to anybody who loves a rifle hunt, but I feel like it's it's a lot harder to do. It's a lot harder to to get within an animal's wheelhouse within that 30, 40, 50, 60 yard range, whatever it is you feel comfortable to shoot him versus, you know, being up to three, 400 yards away and just simply pulling a trigger that animal not even knowing what hit him literally and you drop. Yeah. And so for me, I've always gotten the thrill from from bow hunting. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you on something. What what is a uh what is a hunting club? You said around Hillier there there were hunting clubs. You said you'd hunt a hunting club. I've never heard of that before. Well, up north people call them just like hunting camps, hunting shacks, but down south we have what they call their hunting club. So you you get it doesn't have to be a lot of property. Sometimes it can be a few thousand acres. Sometimes it can be a few hundred acres. You get a few people who all come together to -hmm. pay for the properties, you know, every year. So it's basically like you're leasing out a bunch of property and you're splitting it up between some hunting clubs have, you know, 10 members. Some may have 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, et cetera. And you guys all show up and they typically hunt on the weekends. And the hunting club I was a part of is a deer dog hunting club. Down South, you can use dogs to hunt deer. It's fucking yeah. crazy. You have never heard of any of this. Okay, this is fascinating. Keep continue. Yeah, and um, I grew up doing that until I left and went off to college back in 2012. So most of my memories, you know, young DJ was sitting on the back of a dog box with either my uncle or my dad somewhere in northeast Florida, southeast Georgia. You know, orange hat, real tree camo, vest on, either my BB gun, 410 shotgun. Let's and go. we're riding around the hunting club and my uncle is what they call the dog man. So the dog man is the guy who, who basically, basically sets up like pretend it's football. Yep. The dog man is the quarterback. He's going to set everything up. He's going to call the play and make everything happen. But in order for that to happen, he has to have a good crew around him. So he has to have a good wide, he has a good wide receiver, O-line, running back, fullback, etc. And that's typically what the dog man is. And that's what my uncle was. So for me, I had nothing more than a blast every single weekend getting with my uncle, getting a few what they call walker hounds or some blue ticks or some gyps or some beagle walkers. And these are all names of common hunt dogs in this house. And I used to love, he'd look at me and he'd be like, DJ, go grab that dog out of the box. You know, you got little old me, maybe 80 pounds soaking wet, going into the back of the dog box, trying to open it up and not let the dogs out. Because if I let the dogs out, he's going to beat my ass because he only asked me for one specific dog. And it has happened before. It has oh, yeah. happened before <laughs> where you go in to get one and you're too little. And then they all just run out because they're all jacked up. They're ready to go. I mean, they know what time it is. They sit in the pen all week. They get fed. They get ate. They run around a little bit. Weekends come up before sunrise. We're headed to Georgia to drop the tailgate is what they call it. Drop the tailgate, let the walkers run, let the dogs run. And that's what we would do, you know. And I have some of my greatest memories, my greatest hunt memories, you know, are for me, you know, running around the hunt club, southeast Georgia, northeast Florida with my cousins. And, you know, we're all out, you know, trying to hunt, trying to shoot some deer. We kill some deer, sit at the hunting club, call it a day on Saturday, come back Sunday, do it all over again. And then we go back to school that entire week, and then you're waiting Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all basketball practice, football practice. You're just thinking about this weekend because you're hoping you're going to have a good weekend in the hunting club again because, you know, that's honestly what we would look forward to, you know, playing footballs and and, uh, basketball Friday nights, Thursday nights, and hunting on the weekends. That's a sweet life, man. It's a good life. 
You yeah. ever miss it? You still have family. I'm assuming you still have family. You go down there. You go down there. You went down there, what, last year? Do do a bunch of bass fishing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I Not always try to go down at least maybe once, once or twice a year, and I'll try to go bass fishing and get some good stuff like that for, uh, for Mystery Tackle Box and Columbia and stuff like that. But I always try to go back to go bass fishing because it's just something that I'm passionate about, too, that I love and I get my fix in Minnesota, but it's it's just it's not the same when it comes down to comparing largemouth bass from Minnesota to Florida. Yeah, I mean, uh, Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Have you now speaking on the the fishing front? Have you ever been ice fishing? And you ever you ever you ever you hooked into a walleye yet? Like I've always wanted to catch a walleye, and I've always wanted to go ice. I've fishing. caught two walleye bass fishing, so that tells you the type of bass fisherman I am because yeah. I've caught two walleye. But uh, I've caught two on the river, uh, the St. Louis River here in uh, Cloquet, Minnesota. I've caught two using a white spinnerbait, just working parallel with one of the banks and just uh, just getting a reaction bite to what I was assuming that was happening. But um, I've been ice fishing. I'm not a fan of ice fishing because for 18 years I grew up where we've had open water all year. So. I really only go fishing to catch bass, either largemouth, spotted, or small. Like, that's the only thing I would really pick up my poles for. Yeah. Anything else is like, for me, it's like, I don't get excited to go catch them, you know? I, like, I don't, it's just, it's just, it's, it's not my style. But as far as when it goes down to to ice fishing, I've went a few times and um, it's cold. And there's a, <laughs> we're there, tropical people, dog. It ain't about that. We're not about that life. Well, exactly. And like, I try to tell people, it's like, you know, there's a, there's a, a small list of things I'm willing to freeze for in the winter time here in Minnesota. Yeah. That's a white-tailed deer, a white-tailed deer, a white-tailed deer, and a white-tailed deer, and that's it. That's Anything that's else, it. I ain't got the time for it. Yeah, no, I hear you. <laughs> but uh, I it, and it and when you say cold, that's a different type of cold. We're talking ten below. It can get up to or get down to. As, as as much as negative forty, man, or maybe it's a negative forty wind chill, but it's awful. I. I uh, one of my best friends lives in uh, Minneapolis, and uh, yeah, it's terrible. He hates it. it. Is. He's going to move. Uh, it's not about that life. It's not. But I mean, other than, I mean, in the summertime, I've heard it's beautiful. I've heard it's crazy. But it I is. But for me, typically, I'm from Florida, so it's like you know. I typically hate the summers here because I hear a lot of people complaining about the, the heat when it's 75 degrees outside, you know, 80 degrees outside. Like, dude, listen, it's like I'm from Florida where it's 103 degrees outside and the humidity has a feeling like it's 110 and you don't got no breeze. And if you got a breeze, it's like, you know, the devil is just blowing in your face right now because you got the heat and wind at the same time. Like there's no there's no win win. And I love it, too, because when I came up to play sports. I could run all day because I have good stamina and I have good conditioning. So it's like running up here, you know, gassers, you know, like uh, suicides and stuff like that on the field. It's like, I could always like do good and not get tired. And I used to always hate it because uh, my junior college coaches would be like, you know, we're going to run till DJ gets tired, but DJ doesn't get tired. So you guys are going to be here for a minute. And, I never really, you know, I never really complain about it because I like to tell people, you know, I've survived, you know, Minnesota winters and I was born and raised in Florida summer. So it's like, I, I think I can handle the heat and the cold pretty well because I've been doing it for so long. So it's like, 
I try not to complain too much about it. If the weather's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. You know, I can just throw on my good old Columbia gear if I got to and just keep on trucking, whether it be summer or winter. Yeah, dude, that's that's it. Uh, real quick, have you noticed like the influx? Because this this is a rabbit hole I went down a while ago. But like there's a lot of people that'll bring um not invasive species, but like species from game animals from other country and let set them free. Like, have you noticed that there's sort of been an influx of people like taking Neil guy recently, like in the South of Texas and whatnot. And I don't know, do you know what a Neil guy, Neil guy is by chance? No, I'm not, I'm not too familiar with that term, man. I just ruined your life. So Neil guy is, it's not in the deer family. It's actually, related to it's in the bovine family and i don't know maybe i could i'll show I'll, sh I'll show you a picture um after we're done here but uh they're they're they're, they're sweet looking they're, they're sweet looking critters there's this other guy that introduced uh, a game species in new mexico as well uh, i cannot think of the name of it though but um they're they're everywhere man and i'm starting to see uh especially in the hunting community people that would normally go to africa and chase these things are, are kind of able to do it uh in yeah oh there's a neil guy yeah that's awesome oh yeah i can hold on to me yeah i see it from john oh nice thank you john <laughs> yeah you pull that up man it's a it's a it's a crazy looking animal they're all over texas right now they escaped somebody's ranch yeah. and so and then you've got the access deer in hawaii uh uh demarco can you search also pull up uh type in new mexico uh nigerian game species i cannot think of the name of it right yeah. now but yeah, he'll he'll show you that they're out, they're everywhere, man. So that's also that's also in the cards for you too, because that's invasive. I don't know if it's, you have to necessarily draw a tag. You might just have to buy a hunting license in certain instances well, to get stuff like that. Well, yeah. typically, like if it's if it's invasive or it's a nuisance, like it's typically in the south, they don't require you to have a license for them. It's almost like you know the the feral or the wild hogs down south in southern states. Yeah, this this one right here, yeah, the Oryx. Yeah, thank you, thank you. The, those are running wild in New Mexico and El Paso right now. Mm. Isn't that crazy? We'll have the we'll have uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll have these in the show notes for you. But this is a this is a rabbit hole you can go down. How many people will input? And that's a really funny story, especially on the Oryx. You have to look into that. It's 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 fascinating, man. So one of the things it's uh, what I love about you, and I think maybe that's why I was drawn to you is I like your mindset. I'm a big mindset guy and you have the same, it seems like you have the same mindset of, I mean, you can be positive. You can make anything happen. If you put your mind to it and you, 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 you're ready and you're ready to grind. And I love that. That's what you're doing, man. Like what, what, what about what in your life caused you to have that mindset to kind of cultivate that? Well, it's like, you know, this, this is going to be sports-related. Um, I watched my next-door neighbor, uh, Daniel Thomas. He ended up going to junior college up over in, uh, in Mississippi and in Kansas, and he ended up, you know, transferring. This is while I'm in high school. I want to say I'm a junior, my junior year of high school. He ended up going to Kansas State, being the, the newcomer of the year. He played running back. And then he ended up leading the Big 12 in rushing two years back to back. 
And in the year they had the lockout and the NFL draft, there was only one running back taken before him. And it was the Heisman Trophy winner that year, Mark Ingram. So it's like, I literally watched my next door neighbor. And when I mean next door neighbor, I could probably get my, you know, 16 month old daughter to kick a football and it land in his bedroom window. Gotcha. Like watching that happen so close to me, literally like watching the work that it takes to like the work ethic that it takes to get to that point and then visualizing it and people praying and working hard toward like towards it and watching it happen. It ended up giving me like, you know, I can't make any excuses because regardless of how I'm going to make it or how I make it, I have to put the work in. So I can't blame, like, cause I, I like, you know, like I'm saying, like, you know, what I said earlier about my family members, I've seen people blame other people for, you know, not being successful and, and being failures, you know, in life, because it's like, you know, they, they develop this mentality where they got to make excuses and they don't have any accountability. I'm a big accountability guy. Like I've noticed that a lot of the people that I've seen become successful have great accountability. They have great work ethics. They have great, you know, success driven minds it might not necessarily even be results because i feel like sometimes the most successful people fail a lot and they fail a lot more than they succeed so it's like so if you're failing that's a part of the process but it's like at the end of the day eventually you're going to see success if you keep working at it even if it's not necessarily the the one thing you want to see success at you know yeah no exactly man and and it's and i think you just said it might not be the success that you envisioned and you might not get there, but you'll be a hell of a lot further with that attitude and that work ethic than you would have been with that, with just sitting there on your ass doing nothing, you know? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And it's, 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 I think we need a lot more of that, man. That's like my mission is just to kind of empower people. I, I was saying this the other day. I don't think that the American dream is dead. I think that the belief in self is dead. I feel like a lot of people don't believe in themselves anymore. And it makes me sad. And that- I think, you know, our society as a whole, like, you know, is it's getting, it's getting soft. You know what I mean? It's like, if you think about it literally and physically, each generation has it easier than the next, but media and social media makes it seem like, you know, it's harder than, you know, the previous generation. When actuality, like, you know, it's not. There's a lot of things and a lot of privileges that we have today, you know, that people have literally worked and died for that we have people who example you know person a go getter person b slacker person c you know is someone who wants to make excuses and you got person d who doesn't really care and it's just like you know loving a living life you have these different types of categories of people who are always going to make our society a whole and it seems like today the most the most people in that category i just gave you that they get the most attention or those who are having the most success. But you don't even get to focus on their success because you got social media and other people focusing on those who haven't reached that success or who don't have that same mindset or that same goal or who aren't driven oriented. It's like people want 
the easy way out. People want the fast track to success, and it doesn't have to relate to hunting. It doesn't have to relate to fishing. It's just in life in general. People would rather walk up, hit a, hit a scratch-off lotto ticket, win a million dollars, rather than you know figuring out a way to financially make a million dollars. Or to do certain stuff like that. It's like, I feel like, you know, there's always more than one way to get whatever it is you're trying to get it done. You just have to put in the time and effort to do it. And if you don't, it's like, you know, you're you're responsible for your success and your failures. Like, you, like I feel like, you know, you can't blame anybody but yourself when it comes down to doing certain stuff. And even myself, you know, is as strong as a mental fortitude that I have, I like to tell myself too, it's like, you know, I have to always analyze and evaluate what I'm doing and what I'm planning on doing just so that way I'm keeping myself grounded. I'm keeping myself level-headed and I'm not being complacent with certain things that I want to be and certain things that I want to do. And my mentality is like, I've seen my neighbor making it to the NFL. I've seen a guy by the name of Derek Henry, who I played football against, you know, win a Heisman and a national championship and then lead the NFL in rushing two years back to back. I'm very familiar like, with Derek Henry. He's a fucking beast, bro. He played at well, Alabama and made Mark Ingram look like a, a like a tiny man. Yeah, well, <laughs> our county, Nassau County, Florida, we got four we got four cities, Hilliard, Callahan, Uly, and Fernandina. Our two schools were rivals. My senior year, they beat us 42 to 40. <laughs> Shit. 42, 42 to 40 with Mark Rick sitting on the sideline watching his future prospect because he was committed to Georgia at that time. Mm-hmm. It's like, I've seen so many people, you know, even guys go off to the MLB, you know, we had uh, Howie Kendricks, one of my alma mater, former West Nassau high school graduates, you know, he won the world series and he just retired this year. Like he just announced his retirement, like via Instagram, like two days ago. It's like, so I'm looking at all these other different people from different walks of life, from different parts of my community go off and be successful. And I like, I asked myself, you know, why isn't that me? And then I tell myself, when is that going to be you? And I work to more. I, I work more towards when than why. I I love that. I love that when, as opposed to why. Yeah, I never thought about it like that. I do like that. And you just keep grinding, man. You keep grinding, shit, dude. It's working. Like you, you've already connected to some very prominent people in the bow hunting community. And if you keep going where you're going, there isn't a lot of representation of black people in the outdoor sports. You have what Corey Anderson, who's a professional fighter. He's in the, uh, was in now Bellator. He, but he's a bow hunter as well. Who else? I mean, it's gotta be someone. Other than Corey Corey Anderson, I think the next, the the other one you'd have to probably, or other guy, because I've had conversations with him too, is uh, is Trent Cole. He was probably one of the first guys the post, that I re- reached out to. You said that they they helped. Then had uh, the, the- got back to me on social media. I think at that time he was still playing, you know, playing for the Eagles. And it's like I feel like for me, you have a lot of these other guys who they're a public figure because of what they've done athletically for hunting, not hunting, but athletically for football or for basketball or for fighting or for whatever it is. I'll be known for hunting or fishing. So like my platform will be solely based off of what I I've done hunting and fishing. So I feel like that'll get a little bit more respect, but at the same day, it's like when I was a kid, 
I always wanted to go to the NFL and then buy a big ranch and you know have my own hunting and fishing show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, so it's no disrespect to those guys who built the platform, you know, using sports. Mine would be based off of hunting and fishing. Strictly. I did. I and, wasn't aware. Oh, I mean, I appreciate you letting me know about Trent Cole. I didn't even know. I wasn't aware that he was a hunter. So that's, that's yeah. That's, I just think it's important, man. I think it's important. I just think it's important for people to know that, you know, we do this shit too. You know, it's, it's fun. Well, it's you like, ever, in, people ever, other black people ever weirded out, like in the, maybe Minnesota, maybe not so much where you're from because that's, it's, that's a Southern activity. Right. But like outside of that, um, it's not a lot. So is that something that's been happening? Well, for me, it's like, you know, like what I try to tell people too, cause I like, I get the messages all the time, you know, like, you know, you're inspiration to me because you're a black hunter and I'm a black hunter, you know, and I want to be like you, I want to do this. I want to do that. And I try to tell people too. I'm like, man, listen, it's like, you know, these animals do not care what color you are. <laughs> like, like <laughs> that's a good point. you're an individual that's trying to either catch them, shoot them, kill them, trap them, whatever. So they're looking to evade you. It's like, when you think about the formation, you know, of humans in general, all countries, all races, you know, and whatever part of the world you came from, you've contributed to some way or form of hunting and fishing. Yep. We have. It's like, and people want, people want to, to, to act like, you know, when it comes to hunting and fishing, because of what they're seeing on social media, when they turn on the sportsman channel, the versus channel, the outdoor channel, when they look on social media, they're only seeing, you know, people of non-color hunting and fishing. And they think that, oh, that's only for, you know, people of non-color. I was like, man, dude, listen. It's like, you know, being being a, a young black man from the South, like my family has survived off of whatever they catch, you know, since safe, like since slavery and during slavery from whatever they could farm, from whatever they could, you know, go out and trap, whatever they can go out and hunt and kill. And I've never lost sight of that. You know, some families have never lost sight of that. And you'll see that some people still have those roots. Like my, my family has still been in the same place they've settled at since then. For generation after generation after generation. And we've all been farming the same lands, hunting the same lands, trapping the same lands, fishing the same lands. So being that I got out of an environment in the South where you have more people of color who are active in hunting and fishing, it doesn't surprise people. Yeah. And then implementing myself in northern Minnesota and, you know, a predominantly white society in the area that I'm in. And it's the thing where it's like people, you know, kind of treat me like I'm the exhibit, so to say. That's the word I'm looking for, an exhibit. It's like, oh, my gosh, look at this guy. He's a black guy who like who knows how to hunt and fish. And then it's like, guess what? I actively know how to actually target a specific like species when i go fishing i know how to target a specific species whenever i go hunting and then harvest it and then show how and why i did it and some people get caught up in that and then i really don't because it's just one of those things where it's like you know i know at the end of the day these animals don't care what color i am like if you you get some people who want to to have that you know that race barrier hold them back you know, when it comes to hunting and fishing or another aspects of life, like I, I don't let that hold me back at all. Oh. Because like at the end of the day, it's like, you know, I'm focused on doing what I want to do. And I realize that if I'm giving my time, which is very precious, which I don't have a lot of, by the way, 
Lord, you know, if the Lord lets me live another 30, 45 years, you know, I'd be happy. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to complain one minute. But at the end of the day, while I'm here, I'm going to focus on doing what I want to do. I'm not going to let something like as far as like the color of my skin try to hold me back from doing what I want to do in America. I've seen people go from nothing to celebrities overnight. I've seen my NFL neighbor, you know, get his name called in the NFL draft. And it's like, crap, like that's him. That really happened to the guy across the street. You know what I mean? I've watched, you know, Howie Kendricks hit a, hit a walk-off home run damn near in the series or, or hit a home run in the series for it to help propel his team to winning the World Series on national television. I've seen people go off and create companies within my little community of Callahan, Florida, and become millionaires. So what I've been able to see in my environment is that it doesn't matter what you want to commit yourself to, you can commit yourself to it and be successful. It's all on you. Brother, I, I, I could not agree with you more. I could not agree with you more. It doesn't fucking matter. Doesn't matter if you're black, white, or maybe, maybe you got to work harder. Maybe there'll be more fucking doors. But if you see a door as a young black man, Latino, whatever, knock that bitch down and keep fucking going. Don't give up. Yeah. That's yeah. the reality. That's all it is. It's like, you know, it's you're continuing to try to work hard and, you know, leave whatever, whatever legacy you can for yourself. It's like my goal, you know, something that I want to do that I'm getting very close to is just becoming a police officer and still doing what I want to do for my hunting and fishing stuff and uh, trying to leave something for my son and for my daughter and future kids to take over. You know what I mean? To leave a mm-hmm. legacy that wasn't left for me. And then, you know, they can look back whenever I'm, I'm hopefully on my deathbed and I, I got a chance to say bye to all my grand youngins and stuff like that, my kids. And they can look up on a picture and say, you know what? We have what we have because, you know what, you know, your great grandpa DJ did this. He started doing this back in this. And then, the, you know, the family tree can continue. It's like in creating that generational success and showing my kids firsthand that this is what dad did. Dad, I want to do this. You can do it, son. Dad, I want to do this. Okay, you can do it, my daughter. You know what? Showing my family, you know, what I want them to do. I want to have my wife look at me and be proud of what I've done, what I've accomplished, and be proud to call me her husband. My kids proud to call me, you know, their father, my community, proud to say that I live there. My police department proud to say that I work for them, you know, and that's all. I, that's all like I'm just locked into. Man. I don't have time for any of the other stuff that, that comes along with it. I just want to achieve my goals, have fun doing what I want to do with my life, and that's what I'm going to do. Man, that's that's what it's about. And honestly, man, that's a I, that's a good place to end, brother. I really appreciate you coming on this show. Next, if you, when you make it out to Oregon, if you have time, pop on by. We'll get you in studio, and we'll we'll talk about your hunt and what you're able to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anytime, anytime you want me to, you know, come on a podcast, talk just hit me up the same way you did this time. It's like, you know, I, I legit got your DM. So, so I'm going to go ahead and, you know, and talk with them. Cause like, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I want to see as many people be as successful, you know, and if I can help with that in any way, shape or form, I'm always going to try to help because, you know, that's what I want to do. That's how I want to leave my legacy. I want to help inspire, motivate people to go hunting, go fishing, be the best human being they can be. And, make the best out of whatever life, you know, the the good Lord has given them and that's it.
Well, anything, anything you want to plug, man, where can people find you? How do they get a hold of you? Oh man, listen, messenger pigeon. If you got uh Morse code, if you know how to do that, um, I'm available cash app, Venmo, you know, but uh, on a serious note, um, they can find me on my Instagram account at D Jones Outdoors. It's it's a compound word, and for some people who don't know what a compound word is, it's all together in unison, meaning one. And if you can't find me on my Instagram account, you can find me on my YouTube channel at D Jones Outdoors, and it's the same. It's spelled the same way as well. And that's that's all going to be in the show notes too. So just it'll be hot linked on Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, uh, I'm Rick Brooks, uh, DJ again. Thanks, brother. All right. And peace.